It is March 26th. This is episode 111. I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, I had two lines today. He who desires but acts not breeds pestilence. And the cut worm forgives the plow. And this is what I got for he who desires but acts not breeds pestilence. And keep in mind, this is a first draft. It's not perfect. Understand what it is that I mean when I say I want you. I want you as laundry drying on the line when it's cold outside and I have to leave in ten minutes and literally everything is out there not blowing in the wind. I want you like air and running from or to a thing madly and my lungs are burning white hot coals. I want you as doctors want sleep, as hands crave the neck of daddy's shirt. I want you everywhere, at theme parks, at Starbucks, at weddings and funerals. I want you kissing in public, in the back of cars and at McDonald's everywhere. I want you carved out as cantaloupe, overflowing as grocery bags, ripe as an overworn pair of socks that you dig from the laundry in sheer desperation. I want you calamitous, like cancers on the sheer face of a cliff, on fire in the rain. I want you tornadoes through trailer parks, upending and spinning off my wheels, plastic furniture into trees, broken mirrors, and upset fucking woodpiles. I want you destiny lightsabers and millennium falcons, and terminator intensity, pushing aside obstacles in motion on highways, and in one side of the plate glass office building, and out the other side in a splinter spray of gashes. I want you first draft lightning bolt strikes on the top of my brain, as I feel the fizzle of adrenaline coming out of my ears and nose, like where the hell was I just now, and how the hell did I get back here, and who wrote all these insane pages of metaphor. I want you ocean, rivers, ponds, of rain puddle stomping, and that time we ended up with pneumonia because we desperately couldn't go home. I want you nitroglycerin chest pains and diabetic finger touch. I want you medically, sinfully, in pure white sheets in two bright rooms. I want you dental dams, Novocaine tingling. I dog-ear the pages with, your, with you across them. I drown the days that stand between. Curse the thought of you as anything but mine. Give me you, give me you, give me you. So, anyway, um, as I said, I had a good feeling about that one, and it's going to require a lot of editing, because that's one of those very precarious ones. I had a professor one time, a poetry professor, who described writing poetry as um, being lost on the ocean and lashing a bunch of boxes together and trying to make them float so that, you know, it was balanced. Um, that's what that one feels like, but it's not... It, it's hard to describe that without him being the one that described it. But it was a really good image, and it was really intense, and it, it had a lot of desperation to it. But that's what that poem feels like, and that's what I kind of want to make it feel like. Um, it's not precarious enough yet. Anyway, um, this is a totally different poem. Um, uh, with a totally different feeling to it. Uh, please don't let this color my, um, 
what I'm about to read you. But when I look at our president, um, I feel like I've just thrown up in my mouth a little. Um, I guess that's the best way to word it. And I, I the, the, the line that I'm working with on this one is the cut worm forgives the plow. And uh, due to current events, what's happening in our country right now is that our president has decided that he wants everybody back to work by April 12th, um, which is completely unreasonable because the, 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 the highest point of this curve is going to happen on May 1st. So he's going to end up killing a lot of people by um, being irresponsible. Um, on the news and in press conferences because the people who trust him implicitly are going to go back to life as normal and that is going to infect a lot of people that don't deserve it. <laughs> um, so anyway, this is uh, this poem is kind of re a reaction to what's happening and also the line. I guess I shouldn't have explained it so much because now it's going to seem underwhelming. Anyway, this is The Cutworm Forgives the Plow. I wonder about you, Mr. President, with your brushed cotton shirts, your raw chicken eyes, your model wife, your Easter Sunday posture, and not in a way like my mother seems to, in a way that says, you are the enemy of the candidate she preferred. I wonder, I wonder about you in a way my friend Mike does not, sure of your good intentions, resolved that your economic, your social, your foreign policies, and rampantly shifting statements will not come to anything but greatness. I see a man of certainty behind the microphone and wonder about you. What toy did you cling to as a child? How was your first kiss? Do these things mean to you what they do to me, to my daughter, to my brother? Have you any sacred little totems, lucky charms, a whale's tooth under your thumb for social anxiety? a stuffed bear on which to secretly dote, to talk to. These minuscule cracks, these human ticks and minutiae, they make us real, and I want so much to believe you have these eyelashes falling onto your cheeks too as you fall asleep, that you dream of dogs and the carpeting on the steps of your childhood home. Have children. Do you hide secret memories of moments in their toddler years? Remember a sunny morning window where you inhaled the shampoo on their hair and thought this was what it was all for? Are you bashful? When you see your disrobed self in the mirror, do you pale? Do you host scars of young adventure, freckles of remaining innocence? Does it hurt you to be attacked? Your exterior is all aggression and confidence, but you seem to crawl with a secret insecurity. It makes you lash out, without consistency, without guideline. As you are the hand that holds the plow, that seeks to run so many worms down as you turn the soil, in the hopes of rescuing an economy, that sees it as reasonable to replace thinking, feeling, touching, loving desperately, begging or wheedling, lives by the thousands, perhaps millions, do you expect forgiveness afterward? Anyway, both of those require smart and tinkering, but uh, I, I have a good feeling about both of them.
Um, it is the job of poets to um, talk about what they see happening around them, and uh, I can't. Uh, when, when I sit down to write, there's no way to avoid um, the COVID-19 crisis that we're all facing, and uh, I, I, you can't help but write about it. If you're a passionate person, it's what you see all around you right now. Okay, with all that, with all that out of the way, this is the secret bestie part of the podcast. Go away if you are not my bestie. I mean it. I'm not kidding. Turn the podcast off. Go away. You have. 10 seconds, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You better be gone now because you're not allowed to listen to this part and it's because I don't have permission to read this poem. Um, it's not in the public domain, but I'm reading it to you because it's the next one in Poetry 180, um, which is an anthology of contemporary poems. Uh, compiled by Billy Collins. This poem is by Dorian Lau. It's L-A-U-X. And it's called Singing Back to the World. <coughs> Just to get that out of the way. I don't remember how it began. The singing. Judy at the wheel, in the middle of sentimental journey. The side of her face glowing. Her full lips moving. Beyond her shoulder, the little houses sliding by. And Jerry, her frizzy hair tumbling in the wind's wings breeze, fumbling with the words, all of us singing as loud as we can, off-key, not even a semblance of harmony, driving home in a blue comet, singing, I'll be seeing you, and love is a rose, the love songs of war, the war songs of love, mixing up verses, eras, words, songs from stupid musicals, coming in strong on the easy refrains, straining our middle-aged voices, trying to reach impossible notes, reconstruct forgotten phrases, Cole Porter's Anything Goes, shamelessly la-la-lying whole sections, forgetting the rent, the kids, the men, the other women, the sad goodbye. The whole of childhood, forgetting the lost dog, polio, the gray plains pregnant with bombs, fields of white headstones, all of it gone as we struggle to remember the words. One of us picking up where the others leave off, intent on the song, forgetting our bodies, their pitiful limbs, their heaviness. Nothing but three throats beating back the world. Laurie's radiation treatments, the scars on Christina's arms, Kim's brother, Molly's grandfather, Jane's sister, Singing to the telephone poles skimming by, stoplights blooming green, the road a glassy black river edged with brilliant gilded wheels, the car an immense boat cutting the air into blue angelic plumes, singing Blue Moon and Paper Moon and Mac the Knife, and nobody knows the troubles I've seen. That's it for today. I will see you tomorrow. You know how to get a hold of me, and if you don't, listen to other episodes.